Welcome everyone to the Reflection Artist Live podcast hosted by myself, Justin Lobato. Set your calendars to tune in every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time or 9 a.m. Pacific Time where I will be bringing you industry spotlight interviews live from my active detail shop or an industry event. So if you're curious about who is who and what is what in the detail industry, don't forget to subscribe and tune in every Wednesday for some of the most exclusive interviews. Okay, so we are officially live on Facebook. And so today is June 2nd. We are number 31 in our podcast, and we have special guest with us, uh, special guest with us Keith Duplessis. Um, yeah, I had a little bit of a tongue twister there. Uh, so Keith has been in the industry for over 20 years. Uh, he's been part of the Detail Plus team and now owner for the past, gosh, uh, four years now. And he's been with them for over, what, 19 years, right? 19 yeah. years. And then uh, same thing with PNS. He's been with PNS and part of that team since, you know, as a distributor and then as part of the team the past, you know, four or five years. So overall, he's, you know, made his rounds in the industry along with the IDA. So we're going to dive into a lot of that. So those of you, at, you know, on site or at home or wherever you're listening to this, you could get to know who Keith is and what he's uh, done for the industry and the credibility he brings, of course. And um, so I'll open it up to Keith and just want to get started with how it all started. Where did all this wonderful, you know, stuff come from in regards to joining the detail industry, getting involved in the wonderful world of detailing? I think like a lot of folks, um, I, I kind of found me, I didn't find it. You know, I mean, I think there's, there's a lot of folks who are enthusiastic about cleaning their car and doing those things. I mean, I, I did have a summer job cleaning cars when I was in high school. That was in the 80s. We won't go there on how far ago that was. But um, <laughs> no, you know, I was in the fire and flood restoration business in the early 2000s. So, you know, for those who don't know what that is, that's uh, if your kitchen floods from the dishwasher overflowing or, you know, you have a house fire um, and, you know, thoughts to Mike Huckstra, who just had a garage fire yesterday posted on Facebook, you know, one of his fears, but he had a fire extinguisher. So good for him. But, you know, one of those things where I was doing, you know, structural stuff and that kind of thing. And I ended up getting a, a suicide in a car. Um, and so they wanted us to recondition the car, uh, which really wasn't much more than the biohazard removal for, uh, some, you know, some really the driver's seat area and then replacing a window because of a, a bullet hole. So that's the, the gruesome way I got into the business was that was the first car I worked on in any meaningful way to do reconditioning. And then from there, um, shortly thereafter, I kind of started getting all the car stuff for that company and then um, left the business about a year later just because timing was right. I didn't really like living in Eugene. That's where I was at the time. Wanted to get back to Portland, came back on a flyer, didn't really have a plan, was doing contract engineering work. Uh, and I met Bud Abraham at church of all places. Uh, and those who don't know who Bud is, um, you got to Google the guy because he's an icon in our industry and just, you know, one of the really leading guys of trying to bring the industry together in so many yeah, ways. Yeah, tons and, and tons of articles and just tons yeah. of just great content. And it's yeah. very, very in depth. <laughs> yeah, he's been around for a long, long time. And, and, you know, he was our voice as an industry when nobody else would be a voice for our industry. Uh, he was our voice in the industry when the car wash industry dominated car cleaning, um, as far as the public perception and view. So, um, you know, met him, we were on a board together for a, an Oktoberfest, an event thing that uh, we did every year at the church. And um, one day he said, well, you ought to come interview with me. And so I interviewed with Bud and I started as a sales director for him. So not even really doing um, what I ended up doing, which uh, about a year later, I was kind of in full swing overseeing all our production and shipping and still doing the sales thing. And then uh, started going out and doing our training. Uh, and that's where I got to, you know, I got to say if, if, you know, those folks who really want to learn a subject, well, try and teach it. Um, now, I don't recommend this to everybody out there, but um, you know, you really have to have your stuff together because you're going to walk into a room and, and Justin, you've done this, you know, as RTs, we've, we've done it a lot. You walk into a room and there are people there who have been doing this for twice as long as, as you have, and they do have something to offer. And so yeah. part of being a great, you know, instructor is 
knowing that you can learn from the room as much as the room learns from you. Um, but it also forces you to have your ducks in a row. And when you have a conversation, an intelligent conversation about a product's makeup or a pad's effectiveness or a tool's function, um, you've got to know your stuff because there's a large chance that somebody in that room knows more than you do, um, which is great. I always like being in a room where I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Um, it doesn't happen very often anyway for me, so it's okay. But um, well, if you, you are, know. you're in the wrong room, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so I went out and started doing training and, and installing our equipment. And, you know, that's my passion. I like to build stuff. I like to design things. I like to kind of solve a problem on a micro scale. And when, I'm, and when I say that is I don't really want to design wholesale, you know, car washes are macro equipment. You know, you got a tunnel, you get set equipment and pieces. I like to design stuff that solves a problem for the unique space that my customer's in that makes them more efficient. And so, you know, I've done that with equipment now with Detail Plus going on, you know, 18, 19 years here. Um, and that's what I like to do. So that's, I was really doing that through 2012. And in 2012, my wife was working from home and we were looking at, you know, where do we really want to live? Where do we, what do we really want to do? And so the opportunity came up to um, kind of take the leap. Uh, and I recommend this, and I've heard this a number of times, um, you can stay in the hometown you grew up in, um, but you should leave and go get another world experience. Now, you know, we haven't talked about my military background, but I, I've kind of done that as well. Uh, and that did take me away from home and brought me back. And, and uh, but this was a totally different thing. So I took an opportunity with big man washers in Dallas in 2012 uh, during my second term as president of the IDA and went there. And what an eye-opening opportunity to really see our industry differently. Because I went to the, the, the dark side, as a lot of the detailers will call it. I went to the car wash side. Um, but I was trying to stand up and really grow the detailing business with that company, as well as sell car wash chemical. And I found there's a lot of harmony there. Uh, and that, you know, it proved to my point, which is we're not enemies. We're yeah. just coming at it from different approaches. And neither is wrong. And one is best. Look, a cleaner car is better than a dirty car. So, you know, sometimes the most basic service we do in detailing is wash the car. Um, and if you can only get a customer to maintain their car by just washing it, at least that's something. So I think there is a place in this world that we can kind of agree that a clean car is better than a dirty car. If we start the conversation from there, it's a great place to be. So uh, when I went to Big Man in 2012, PNS was the primary detail product line. And, you know, I'd known Bob Phillips. He'd been vice president of the IDA my first term as president. Uh, as wise and as steadying a counselor as you will ever meet, um, not to mention just a great human being, a, a dear friend, uh, uh, a guy who's a leader in the industry without ever being in front of it. Um, you know, Bob often says I would pull strings from behind. Uh, Bob would have influence that ran deeper than most, you know, most lakes and rivers. And the guy has, has tremendous influence. Bob has a, a way of uh, having an input where people will stop and listen to Bob uh, in ways that, you know, uh, is really remarkable. And that's because there's nobody in our industry who doesn't have a tremendous amount of respect for that guy. So, and the, um, yeah, just that in itself on that note, it's uh, one of those things that, you know, the, when he speaks, it's very influential in regards to the knowledge, but just the way he comes across with it, it just something you just, you just get it. You know, you do. And, and that's the thing. He's relatable. He's he's, you know, aside from the fact that he's just a great guy and a likable guy, um, he has a really great way of communicating both digitally, you know, in print and, and, and verbally and, and everything he does. And so, um, you know, we're we're having a conversation right now in large part because of the relationship with Mr. Bob Phillips. Yeah. Uh, you know, so idea aside that uh, we would still have a relationship, but uh, Bob certainly is a catalyst for a lot of that. Um, and so, you know, in my five years there with Big Man, you know, I've worked a lot with Bob on product. And, you know, one of the, the first place they rolled out the double black product line was two Big Man washes. Um, and that, I knew that was in large part because of our relationship and what he felt like the, the, the opportunity with that product would be um, and prove right. And so in 2016, I left Big Man because I got on a plane and I went to the Middle East um, spent my, my last, you know, deployment with the military, 
uh, from July of 16 to um, end of May 17, um, mobilized as a chief healthcare and CEO for an engineer brigade, um, which was quite frankly, one of the great experiences that I've ever had. I mean, uh, the opportunity to have influence and, and, and support young soldiers and, and see a unit through a mobilization like that toward the end of your career is a, is a wonderful thing. Um, but I left big man for the military and I, I left, I mean, I resigned. I, I knew that when I came home, I was gonna do something different. I had no idea what that was gonna be. I didn't, didn't know the plan. Uh, I had some ideas. Uh, I, you know, I had an opportunity to, to work for a couple of companies. One was to stay really even more in depth on the car wash side. The, the other was to, to um, stay on the detail side and, and grow some other things. And the third option was go hang out a shingle and do my own thing. And uh, the November, you know, around Thanksgiving time, I was in Iraq, Bob and Rennie call, you know, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you think I'm doing? <laughs> um, just hanging I mean, out. <laughs> we got this great idea. And I'm like, okay, lay it on me. I'm like, you got to join the team when you come back. So, um, you know, I thought about that. I didn't answer right away, even though my enthusiasm level was high and I really wanted to do that. Because um, at the same time, Bud Abraham had approached me about um, him retiring. You know, Bud's now 81 this year. Uh, so this is five years ago. You know, and a guy in his mid-70s was looking to to step away from the business. And so the opportunity came to buy Detail Plus. Uh, so I went to Bob with this proposal. I'm gonna run Detail Plus, um, but I wanna come do the full-time thing with PNS and here's how it'll work. I'm never gonna sell chemical again at, at Detail Plus. We used to have our own product line. Um, I'm gonna insert the PNS line when we do equipment. And every time we sell or do a system, I'll introduce the product line and we'll try to recruit a distributor locally if there isn't one, and if there is one, then we'll connect that, that customer to PNS. Because uh, I learned a long time ago, you can build a guy equipment. That's a one-time transactional event. Um, but chemical sales, chemical support is, a, is an ongoing business. And you've got to be basically, as I say, in their back room every month or every week. Uh, and if you can't support that, then selling product doesn't do you any good. Because there's always a problem with a product. Now, that's not really true but that's the perception, right? Yeah. We're cleaning the car. Um, we go to put the wax on and the wax streaked or the wax left marks or, well, probably wasn't the product. It was probably a combination of nine other things plus yeah. the product. Process error. I mean, there's so but, many variables to that, right? Absolutely. So I knew that I couldn't sell chemical uh, the way that we had done it before when I had been at, at Detail Plus. So it was a natural transition to find a, a replacement that got me out of that. Uh, and away from that as a company owner, but also allowed me an opportunity to really introduce what I think is one of the best product lines in the industry, um, which is PNS. So, and you know, with, the, with the other stuff such as equipment that you have at Detail Plus, just touch on some of those things that you offer at Detail Plus, so people are more familiar with with what Detail Plus has to offer, of course. Yeah. So you know that was another thing that that I wanted to do with Detail Plus was kind of reimagine it. Um, in 2008, I'll never forget the phone call. It's about 11 p.m. It's middle of the, the, the basically 11 o'clock at night. Bud calls me, you know, and the market had crashed. The economy was crashing. You know, what do we do? And and that was the question he asked. Me, well, what do we do? You know, what what do we focus on? And I said, well, we need to go back to our core business. Um, we'd sold paint touch-up systems and a number of other things. Um, and I said, let's go back to our core business. And so when I bought the company. I really pared that down to our core business. So we don't sell a lot of tools. We sell really primarily one type of tool, which is a rotary shampoo tool, which we've sold for many, many years and kind of invented that market. And it's pneumatic, so it's air driven. Um, we sell chemical delivery systems. So um, people know us for that, our chemical dispensing systems, consolidated back room, all the chemicals are pumped out of there. Uh, your dilutable products are automatically diluted, so you don't really mess with them. You walk out to a unit that's hanging on the wall, and it's got a coil hose, and it says, you know, bead maker or, you know, carpet shampoo or whatever it is, and your chemical's right there, and you pull the trigger, and it sprays until you don't want it to spray anymore, and you let go of the trigger. Um, so we kind of kill the, the spray bottle business a little bit, which um, for those of you in the business today, 
you might notice spray bottles are kind of hard to get and so are triggers. So give us a call. We might be able to help you with that. Um, <laughs> shameless plug. Um, but the other part that goes with that is I really want to pare down what we offered and focus in. So uh, I also decided to not do canned equipment anymore. We used to have a standard piece of equipment um, and that worked for a percentage of our opportunity. But I really wanted to build the company into, we customize everything. So Justin, what's right for your shop may be six chemicals delivered because that's 90% of what you do uh, and that works for you, great. But another customer might say, no, I need 11 things. Okay, we'll build to suit so you get exactly what you want out of it. Um, one of the things I learned is it's really hard in this day and age to have a one size fits all concept in, you know, in, in a higher end market. You've gotta have some yeah. customization. Uh, the other thing we do is, is, you know, obviously central vac systems and, and workstation vacuums, uh, extractors and steamers uh, for that equipment. And then, you know, pressure washers and wash bays. So we do a full line of wash bay curtains and we can customize those any color. Uh, and we even, we'll even custom brand them. We'll put your name on them. Nice. Um, and the right company did that. And you saw it. It's kind of cool. Um, yeah, the, the video I posted on my personal page, I have a walkthrough of the rag company and it shows that badass wash bay that you had built out for them. So that's yeah. just, and just so a that teaser. Was exactly what they wanted. You know, they wanted a certain number of chemicals. They wanted to have an overhead swivel boom. So we did that. Um, you know, I do, I do custom pressure washers for uh, all my customers. So we can build you out a, a killer wash bay if that's all you want, you know, and, and um, we can build you out a complete detail shop. So we kind of, that's what our focus is now. Uh, and then the other thing I've learned is nobody makes bad product in our industry. You know, uh, yeah, I'm a PNS guy and it's pretty obvious, but um, nobody makes bad product. So if you tell me what you want to put in the, the, the equipment and the system, we can build a system that works for that. You know, and that's really what we do at Detail Plus. Uh, what so I that do way you're not shoving your brand down someone's throat is what you're saying? You have oh, yeah, to buy no. this if you buy that kind of scenario. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, if somebody's looking for a suggestion, I'm obviously, you, you know where I'm going to run home to. I mean, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm, <laughs> we're the brand. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't believe that. I don't believe in that. You know, I think um, people are looking to solve problems. And, and if you aren't offering that opportunity, uh, it's the same with chemical sales. You know, too often I, I discuss with distributors, and that's what I do for PNSs and help grow our distributor base and, and do customer development. Um, I talked to distributors and they're like, well, I don't know how to get into an opportunity with the dealership. And I said, well, never go in and try and pitch them on what they're already buying. Go in and ask them, what's your biggest challenge and how can I help you? And it may be something as simple as you sell a wheel wool and your competitor doesn't. You know, I mean, it sounds kind of dumb, but maybe that's the way you get in and you build trust and you build a relationship that shows that you can be responsive to their needs. Um, I find that most of the time when people switch chemical companies, it's not because there's necessarily a better mousetrap. In some cases, it is better quality. But a lot of cases, it's the guy who walked in your room was listening and was responsive and did what you asked and gave you more than you expected. And that's where the account window always is. So the great distributors, the great sales guys, they, they can sell pretty much anything, but the great sales guys will also tell you it's really nice to have the best product on the market when you can do it. So it is a combination. I won't, won't lie about that. But even if you have the best product on the market, if you aren't listening to your customer and being responsive to what they're asking for, you're not going to get where you want to go. So nope. I take the same approach with equipment. Um, I let the customer kind of lead me where they're going. Uh, I usually ask the leading questions. You know, what are your problems? What do you... What are you looking to solve? Why are you looking to make this change? And I'll be honest, sometimes I do the takeaway sale. I tell them we're not a fit. You know, what you're looking for us to solve for you can be solved another way. And that's when I sit Prentice St. Clair on as my director of training. Because sometimes it's, it's a matter of training. You know, it's a matter of education. It's a matter of process assessment. You know, sometimes I got to get on a plane and go spend a day with the customer and just look at their shop and look at their purchasing, look at their approach and come back and say, you don't need everything I have, but here's what you do need. And here's what you should change. And, 
And I think clients respect that. They know that you're, if you're not out to be an, what Bud, Bud used to call an iron salesman, um, and you're out there to actually sell the customer on a solution, um, you know, that really, I think, bodes well for your business. And, you know, and truth be told, I don't do a ton of systems with Detail Plus. That's not my goal, you know. Um, Matthew McConaughey had a great saying. I don't know if it's his, but he said it, and I, I've, I've heard it a number of times. Is the first part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. And what I don't want to be is a production sales company that just sells a bunch of equipment, you know. Uh, I want to solve a, a problem. I want to be unique to my customer. Um, and I want to work with a select customer that really appreciates a problem solved and, and a relationship that gets them to continue to, to improve their business. So that's kind of what I'm looking for there. And so it's a, it's a low volume business for us in that respect. And I'm okay with that. Um, that allows you to also focus on, you know, with everything PNS in your role there too. Yeah. And, you know, and, and between that and also the IDA stuff that I, I kind of do as a, I won't say a side gig, but as a, as, as a give back, um, you know, uh, there's a lot going on. Um, it's pandemonium in this joint most days. And, and so trying to keep a handle on myself is, is the biggest challenge I have in my life. You know, uh, Lisa keeps us organized and, and running around here. And, and uh, I'm the guy who's mostly just a free radical raising hell with my own, my own schedule, my own timing. So um, kind of what it is. Now with, with the integration with you and the PNS, I mean, with that position now, and that's opened you up to work with a lot of different detailers, distributors, and all this knowledge you have from both the car wash industry, the detail industry, and how much value and how much benefit is that now as you walk into somewhere like a new storefront or a detail shop looking for information from you? It's huge. Um, you know, a lot of folks think I just memorize all this stuff. And, and you know, um, I, I'll put it this way. It's more, um, it's more rote. You know what I mean? It's like, um, it's beaten into me now, you know, the thought processes and, and, um, you know, I call it kind of the McDonald's method It's doing the same thing the same way every time to get the same result. Well, a little bit of that is, is, is knowing what you know and, and perfecting your craft and you get better at your craft by continually practicing it. Um, uh, but you also have to be willing to go, okay, I knew this, yep. you know, but 33 years ago when I joined the army, uh, 32 years ago, um, we knew that a tourniquet was a last resort. Today, you know, when somebody's bleeding out or they got a major limb bleed, today, it's the first resort. The world changed. You know, in 2003, the special forces guys figured out that they could put a tourniquet on and have it on for up to 24 hours in some cases. The limb was still viable and they could save a life. Before, we would try to do everything we could to stop bleeding. And so, the analogy there that goes to the detail industry is we thought forever that the best way to get a car polished was, you know, using a rotary and, and going that way. And then we learned uh, that we were all wrong um, or not wrong, but we learned that there was another way that was as effective, as fast, as efficient. And that was the large throw dual action tools and the forced rotation dual action tools. And so that changed the industry. But we also used to know 45 years ago that it was wool and lamb's wool. And then this foam thing came in, you know, and, and compounds, you know, we used to know that a good heavy grit compound, you could feel it in your fingers. Yeah. Well, today the, the bottle and compounds, this the most aggressive stuff, you can't feel it at all. So, you know, learning and knowing what you know is absolutely viable and applying your experiences is invaluable because you have to have the experience to, to be able to apply it. But the flip side of that is you can't let yourself get stuck into the belief that what I know is all there is to know. Um, yeah. So you the enlightening conversations come from, uh, I think, being around forever, being a good guy, uh, because people are more open to having a conversation with you. You know, and I'm very fortunate. There, there's, there are very few folks that I couldn't call and say, hey, I, I'm an idiot on this. Help me learn and understand. And you wouldn't have a great conversation with them. Um, and that is something I really learned from Bob. You know, there, we have no enemies here. Uh, we're competitive. Of course, we all are. But there's no enemies in this business. And, and you know, there's, there's people you want to do business with. There's people that you, maybe you don't. But end of the day, nobody out here is my enemy. 
you know, and, and, and they can't be because I don't think that's good for us as an industry. I don't think it's good for us as a professional. Um, and you never know where you're going to end up. I mean, uh, I've been in a few awkward rooms in my life where you can just tell there's tension between people. And I never want to be one of those guys where that exists. I mean, there's always going to be that personality conflict. Um, I get it. But you've got to avoid that as much as you can in our, our, where I am in the business. Uh, because there's too many people to learn things from and too many good conversations to have, especially today. I mean, COVID it has changed the industry remarkably. Um, you know, for everything from base packaging to literally raw material to make packaging, you know, cardboard and tin and uh, all the way up to raw materials that go into chemicals uh, or foam or whatever it is that you're banking uh, to supply chain. You know, I, I've literally seen shipments make their over the road travel from, from our, our warehouse destination city, but there's no drivers to take it out and deliver it. So the industry has completely changed. And, you know, um, that means that we've got to kind of sometimes come together, have conversations about where are you sourcing stuff? You know, what are you finding? And you can't have those if you treat everybody as an enemy. Um, yeah. Everybody's got to be a colleague and a fellow you know, professional first, I think. And, and especially as far as your mindset and your view, not everybody's going to reflect that, but you've got to I think as a professional in today's industry, you've got to have that. And that's, you know, we started this conversation about that attitude um, with Bud saying, you know, every one of these detailers thinks they got the magic sauce and they don't want to talk to each other. And what they find out is they're all really doing things very similarly. Yep. Uh, and that sharing information between a guy in New York and Phoenix doesn't change the world. Right. I mean, it might change each other's world, but it doesn't, nobody's got a secret magic bead. Um, if I've walked into a one shop, I've walked into a thousand and that's what I've learned. There is no magic bean. There are great methods there are really cool things. Uh, there are little tips and tricks that can change you, but, uh, for the most part, it's pretty common to do things similarly. So we all, we all refine paint in a very similar fashion. Um, now what tool pad product we use, it can vary, but, um, there's no magic process there. You know, and, and that, that goes for kind of everything in our business. So why not on the detailer level share that knowledge? Um, because if people get better at their craft and they get more profitable at their craft, it only means the industry's, you know, tide is rising. And for years, and, and I still see it today, I saw it this morning. Guys were asking, what do you charge for a, a wash and a, and a, you know, wheels and a vacuum on a car mobile? And I saw a price and I go, wow. You know, if you can do that in an hour, okay. But if you can't, you know, you, you probably should look at your, your pricing number. And so that's why they slap those conversations. Slapping our price on it, that's why. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about it. You and I have actually done pricing webinars together and seminars. Um, you know, sharing what they their worth is and, and understanding that those conversations have changed the industry. That kind oh, yeah. of conversation has changed, not just you and me, but anybody. Uh, because we all learn that there is a living wage out there for people in our industry and there is a value to our service. And, and you know, once we all start to realize that, we get better as an industry. Um, I think the manufacturers have known that for a long time. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, look, man, manufacturers, uh, there's always that one guy who comes up with something crazy that works. And then the rest of us are like, oh, we got to start chasing that. You know, we yeah. got to get better, right? Because, um, you know, for years, all we had was rotary products. So all we were doing was just feeding the beast, as, as Bob likes to say, we're feeding the beast, feeding the beast. Uh, and then somebody came up with a new beast. And then we, you know, now we're all chasing, well, how do we service that? How do we support that? How do we make this work? Uh, and it really makes us get better. Um, and so conversations about those kind of things. I mean, the communicate, there was a time, Justin, you're just a detailer. We're a manufacturer. We know better than you do. What's yeah. the attitude? Oh, yeah. Today, you know, we look at, and Rennie and you are two of the, the kind of lead guys in the industry, but there's a bunch. You know, I look at Jennifer Turcott with, with IGL and, and those kind of folks. Detailers who detail are having direct input to manufacturers. And if you're a manufacturer and don't have a testing team or a group of folks that you can trust to send product to and get honest feedback, um, you know, you don't really know. And I think that's a key thing in the, in the change in our industry. I mean, uh, 
products come out and get better because they're getting guy on the street in the trenches doing the work input. And that markedly changes, I think, the approach of how manufacturers build product anymore. Oh, absolutely. That direct feedback makes a world of a difference in regards to the product performance and, and knowing that you have the integrity behind that application from pr- true professionals, not just somebody in the lab laying it down and be like, yeah, this works great. But you're also in the air conditioning in a controlled environment that is completely different than what most of these guys out here on the road or in a shop. That ain't Florida in August. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. Or or Alaska in November. You know, I mean, it it goes both ways. And and that's one of the approaches I always took with Detail Plus is if I can get on the ground in your shop and look at what you're dealing with, we can come up with an idea for a system that's going to solve your problem. You know, and I think... That's, you know, that's a really true thing in our industry is um, you've got to look at it from, you know, the user perspective. Um, user point of view is, is huge in our industry right now, especially because another facet of our industry that's opened up, you know, I've, I've always been on the commercial side of this business, the, the professional or wholesale side of this business, but retail sales have, you know, and you know it better than a lot because you have retail point of sale now yeah. changes the game it changes oh, the approach it changes the way time. you think i mean we were talking about a new product we won't reveal what it is but um you know you looked at me and said well, why do i want to sell this well you want to sell it because you're not going to use it you know it's not really for you to use in the back of your shop but it's for an enthusiast at, at a certain type of event that's going to want that product and so you know, manufacturers for years have been building two kinds of product, you know, that for the, the retail consumer and then that product for the professional. A lot of detailers, I don't think, get that side of it. They look at it as this manufacturer is making a product. It doesn't it doesn't work the way I want it to. It's garbage. And it's like, well, don't discredit it. You got to know where its place is. Was it for you to begin with? It may have right. not been for you. Now you're discrediting it based on the performance that it's not going to deliver on. It's not made for that. So that's, I see that happen often, especially with the groups on social media, the old forums, things like that, where people just automatically discredit something once without really giving it a full, thorough evaluation of use. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think, you know, we look at, you know, how do we overcome that stuff? I, I think part of it is, unfortunately, you still get the, the, the beatings that continue on, on the social media, you know, groups where those discussions happen. Yeah. Um, but I, I also think, you know, that is really tamed down in part because of the IDA. And, and a large part of that is because everybody's now better educated. You know, we've done a yeah. great job with that organization, educating the industry and, and bringing people together and telling them, hey, part of it is when you send message, don't send in an attacking way, share knowledge. Uh, but the second part is also that knowledge is out there in abundance um, and conversations happen in abundance that didn't used to, you know, and, I, and I'm really proud to, to, to see our industry kind of grow into that next level. Um, we're no longer the uh, unruly um, teenager. You know, we are, we've matured. We're kind of coming into our young adulthood as an industry and we're still making our mistakes and still having our lumps, but, you know, we're really progressing and we're doing well as an industry. And, and um, I'm excited for that, you know? Um, yeah. It throws but, the whole term gypsy right out the window. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm having dinner with Cheryl tomorrow. I'll see her Friday. I give her a big hug and apologize. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you know, and but, it, but again, it, that that part of our industry is starting to, to fade away a little bit, and that's okay. Yeah. And that's and, and and let's just touch on that because that's something that's it's 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 funny, but it's serious at the same time. You know, the term gypsy it could be applied in so many different ways and it has been and it's been applied in our industry and it does have a category where there is a fit for that type of i would say space of people or detailers and we've grown from that big time you know i i feel it's not that way or as bad anymore because of the professional side that is more started to dominate the unprofessional side of the industry so it's helped a lot because of so much effort in regards to the different groups that have integrity along with the IDA and all these things kind of working together in harmony to push the whole industry as a whole. So I, I think we've definitely graduated from that. And, and the, the larger part of that industry that once was or could have been categorized underneath that title, I, I think it's matured from that. 
And we still have oh. loose ends, but what industry doesn't, right? Yeah, and, and I don't really view them as loose ends. I view those folks as, you know, they can really categorize those as folks who just don't want to change and want to be on the fringe. Uh, but a large bulk of those folks are new people to the industry who really have either gotten into it because of word of mouth or just, a, you know, bad uh, bad advice or, or just, you know, no advice. Usually they're out there wandering around in the wilderness and they just don't know how to find resources and help. And, and they don't go to that thing in their pocket, this thing, uh, and, you know, and try and chase those answers. So I think that really, go, and let's face it, the, every industry that has a hands-on effect uh, or hands-on part of their industry has those kind of guys. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The the owners, owners, you know, there's always a dude cutting a car up in a yard somewhere and, and welding two pieces together. You know, there, there's always those guys, right? Or yeah. those gals. Mechanic, and, body shop, all <clears> that, yep. You see it in, I mean, you know, woodworking, uh, construction. You, you see it in everything that's a, a skill trade. There's always a fringe of, you know, um, I won't say backwards, but, you know, kind of off to the side, not really part of the, 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 the structure of, of professionalism that are out there in the industry. And the only thing we can do as an industry, as opposed to shaming those folks, is, is to reach out a hand and welcome them to the part of the industry that, that's going the right direction. Now, if they choose not to participate, there's, there's, there's nothing we can do. You know, I hear this all the time. Well, the guy down the street won't change his prices. What do I do about it? Nothing. Nothing. Just be you. You know, yeah. continue to do what you're doing. Trust me, the, you will attract the right people if you continue to be the right guy or right gal. I say guy a lot, but there's a lot of ladies in our industry. And, and you know, um, one of them, dear and dear friend to us, which is Sydney Gwynn. So, hey, Sydney, uh, sorry we're not coming to your car show, but uh, I know it's going to be killer on Saturday. So good luck with that. Yeah, for um, sure. But, you know, I mean, that's, that's part of any industry and it's part of any profession. Uh, is the outliers or the folks who are new to the business and don't know really how to get into it. Um, the part that really I think our, our you know, industry is missing uh, is a little bit of the demagificating of the industry, which is we need to have a little bit more consumer education. You know, um, I see a lot of products come out with touch words or touch phrases and, and uh, I'll use one ceramic yeah um, you know there is nothing wrong with ceramic and ceramic products are fantastic and you know a ceramic infused product even on a wash product can be effective but it also is a little misleading you know our industry needs to do a good job of I won't say policing but making sure that the education is out there to define what we mean when we say there's ceramic and something that you and I, you know, five years ago when we were talking about ceramics, there was only one conversation. It was a code, you yeah. know. But the problem is people are now becoming aware of, of, and this doesn't, it doesn't matter that it's ceramic. It could be whatever the next craze is going to be. And I don't know what it is yet, but we'll know uh, when that comes around that <coughs> we've got to <laughs> make sure we're, we're putting out the right information. So, you know, my big thing is uh, consumer education, uh, is now kind of the next part of that. And the truth be told, um, there's no better advocate and no better way to educate the consumer than the retail shops doing that education. Yeah. Uh, and we as an industry have to have, kind of gather our dealer brethren who do the bulk of detailing in this industry, whether anybody likes it or not, uh, and help them educate the consumer as well, you know. Because uh, truth be told, 80% of the detailing in America gets done in a car dealership. Um, now, it's not retail work. It's not, you know, it's not sold to the customer. But every car that goes through a dealership in some way has some detail done to it. Yeah. Clean it uh, up for inventory. Clean it for inventory. Clean it for auction. Um, spiff it off the truck. Whatever it is, detailing is occurring uh, in bulk, not in the retail shop. And yet, you know, the retail market is, is on fire um, the professional detailer is on fire, you know, and, and uh, so that's that's just part of the the the, the folk again. The, the 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 flash, the bang, the the show gets the the attention. But truth is, the bulk of my customer base with PNS is is distributors who sell to dealerships. You know, still today, 
Um, they're seeing the change. They're seeing the turn. They appreciate it. They've, they've gotten on board with the idea that, man, we can really do some cool things with some retail shops. But the bulk of the product moved today uh, and the bulk of the cars moved today still come through the dealer market. No, 100%. Now, when you said about the, the education side with, with educating more of the you know, dealership detailers, you know, education is key in regards to our industry overall. And that kind of goes back a little bit in regards to yourself too, I mean, where you have all this knowledge, but you've still applied yourself in, for example, going through Rennie's training and, and earning the, to be able to have the positions of what you've been able to do with certain events, such as Air Force One or McCall's. These aren't things that were handed to you. These are things as you've gone through the ranks to say that you've, you've been able to earn because you still continued your education just like anybody else, even though you've been in the industry 20 plus years. And I think that speaks a lot because there are, you know, few that feel, oh, I've been here 20 years. I don't need to go to any more classes. I know it all. And then they wonder why they're not part of these bigger events that they're seeing on social media. And they're like, well, how come I can't just do that? How come I just can't say, hey, I've been here 20 years and just be part of that? There's a well, lot to be said about that. And, and you still apply yourself as to my point, you know, that you are still hungry for that, even though you've been in the industry since the early days of seeing all these things um, evolve. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the Air Force One and, and those, I think, just come with, you know, involving yourself with, like you said, going to training with Rennie and, and, and working with Team PNS and, and doing, being involved in the industry in the way I have. I mean, um, you know, another one of those little boxes that gets ticked is, um, you know, last uh, January was honored to, to be announced, haven't been inducted yet, but we'll, we'll get there, uh, to the IDA's Hall of Fame. And, you know, we said, man, you know, um, what'd you do to get there? And I said, I didn't do anything to get there. Um, I just did everything I, I thought I should do uh, in the industry. And so, you know, I look at the folks that I got inducted with and I look at the folks who were the part of that first class and I don't look at them and say, man, look at the level of accomplishment. It's not about level of accomplishment. I mean, I look at level of contribution, you know, because um, I look at the folks that are that are in those classes. You know, you've got Bud. Uh, obviously, we've talked about Rennie. We've talked about a little bit. I mean, Rennie, Rennie is contribution. Rennie is not about accomplishment. Yes, he's a detailer of Air Force One. But if you look at what he did with that vehicle, it could have been just him and his business doing that vehicle and, and using that as an advertising. Rennie opened that up to all of the guys in the detail network and mafia and used it as a vehicle to put other people forward. Contribution, not accomplishment. You know, I look at Barry McGuire and everybody says, oh, you know, but look at, look at what they do with the company. I'm like, look at what Barry did for awareness. Again, contribution, not accomplishment. You know, look, at, yeah. look at Ed Twilliger. What did Ed accomplish? Well, you can do the numbers and the numbers are impressive. How many students he's had over how many years and, and you can compile statistics. Who gives a rip about the statistics? The statistics are when you go to a show, you can't go anywhere and not find a student at Ed Twilliger's. Again, contribution over accomplishments. The accomplishment is the contribution. Um, you know, my, my contribution, fortunately, that's, that's gotten me those invites to AFO for each of the years that, that I've been unfortunate enough to be a part of it. And for the McCalls, uh, which I'm sporting the shirt today, um, it, I, I like to think it's because of contribution, not accomplishment. You know, what did I accomplish? Well, I guess if you want to tick the box, I, I worked up the ranks as a board member. Then I was a, you know, a, a committee chair. And then I was a, you know, vice president, president and, and treasurer and yada, yada. But it wasn't about what I did. It wasn't about those accomplishments. There were nice things to, you know, you've got it. IDA president 2018 on your shirt. I love that. But that's not really what it was. It was the contribution you made doing that, getting there, going through that opportunity. I think that makes the difference. So when people ask me all the time, well, I want the next merit badge. You know, we talk about this all the time with the recognized trainer status. Um, yeah, I'm a recognized trainer, but it wasn't about the accomplishment for me. It was about a way to make sure I could contribute in a, in a fashion that had meaning. And I believe when we invented the recognized trainer program, that we invented it so that we could recognize those folks that are have 
have the requisite things we're looking for in educators to help the industry go further. It wasn't about the accomplishment. It was about finding a vehicle that we could use to, to continue the contribution. Yeah. So I really think that's important, you know. Um, I'm not sure that my contribution has been as great as other people's for the, the Hall of Fame, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that the contribution was recognized, not the accomplishment. Because um, to be truthful, I haven't really accomplished that much. You know, I haven't built Taj Mahals. I haven't, you know, I haven't done scaled mountains. I haven't detailed 10,000 cars in a year. I haven't done any, you know, they, there's no accomplishment number. There's no numbers that go with, I think, what I've been able to, to contribute. It's always been about contribution. Um, we recently had a post on, on a thread here that said, you know, what do you think um, makes you a good, you know, detailer, good contributor? And I, I think that's just it. I mean, it's, it's never about what you get out of the industry or being a part of a group or, or an organization. It's about what you give into it. Uh, and that's just showing up. Things. Yeah. <laughs> um, show up, but, but don't just show up and expect it to happen. You know, that's, no. I think that's what happens with Air Force One. Guys go to training with Rennie or they go to certain things um, and they just expect that they'll be, oh, I've, I've met the requirements I can get in now. You know, it's like the Army was a great educator for this. The Army has a standard. It's right here. That's the minimum you got to do. But if you want to be at the top level and get to, you know, I was fortunate enough to get all the way up to the top of the enlisted ranks. It's about the accomplishment and contribution that never stops. You know, it's about exceeding the standard and it's about doing more than just what you have to do to get through. You know, Being more of a product of your environment. Yeah. I, I once had an NCO say to me, well, you don't have to tell me what to do. I'm an NCO. I earn these stripes. And I looked right back at him and I said, did you earn them today? And that he paused and he didn't understand. And I knew that I kind of, and it was a jab. It really was. It was not really kind, but uh, it was, the point was, did you earn them today? You know? Um, so I look at the things that I've been fortunate to do that, you know, being a member of the founders club and having that plaque uh, on the wall um, doesn't mean the journey has been completed that I got there. It now means that more is expected. So now I got to keep going. You know, what, what have I got to do next? What do I, what do I need to continue to accomplish? And, and the Hall of Fame is, again, a, um, I think way too early. I'm not that old yet. I don't feel that old, although the gray hair is, is showing good today. <laughs> um, but it's about, okay, now what have I, you know, now what are the expectations? Because if you look at guys like Rennie, uh, there's no quitting that dude, you know. Um, there's no quitting a lot of the folks that, that were, you know, Greg Sweat, still going strong, Jim Jim Gogan's still going strong. There's two operators who 35 years each in business. Um, Jim, as a matter of fact, yesterday or the day before, just hit his 35th anniversary as a business, you know. And I look at Jim. Jim's not closing the doors. He's not going on vacation, you know, and leaving the shop to somebody else to run. Jim's pushing forward, and, and he's going to be at Southern Detailers with us. And, and I promise you, you want to learn how to go to a trade show? Hook yourself to Jim Gogan's hip. And follow that dude around. He will hit every education class. He will hit every booth. He will identify products that are new. He'll identify things that challenge his perception of how he should run a shop. That dude trade shows well, is what I, yeah. I, I like. <laughs> But I learned from those guys. I'm like, Jim's not done. Jim's just getting going. You know, he's now in the sweet spot. He's got it figured out. And now he's ready to just go do what he does really well. And that's, to me, that's, that's kind of what I think um, my career has been about. You know, um, I've been fortunate. I've been in the equipment and vetting business for, for 20 years now. So you kind of got to do that because old yeah. stuff, you know, uh, isn't bad, but there's always somebody with a better mousetrap. And if you're not trying to compete in that market, you know, get out of the way. So with, with our time and everything, what would you have as far as uh, some words of advice, some last words to anybody, detailers, distributors, manufacturers, you name it, because you, you play all the, all the fields, all the positions, I should say. Um, you got some oh, the question advice. I'm never prepared for. Um, <laughs> I think the number one thing that I would tell anybody, that if you get into this industry, um, you know, be adaptive. Uh, don't be stuck in your ways, but also know who you are. 
and know what you want to do. Um, <clears throat> you know, I've, I've learned that you, you've got to not be afraid to fail, uh, make decisions without fear. Um, but if you're going to do it, don't halfway do it, do it or don't. Um, and then, you know, if it's uncomfortable, it's probably not a bad idea. If it scares you, it's not a bad idea. Um, if it, if it makes your gut hurt because you're, you don't, it just doesn't feel right, then don't do that. But, uh, if it scares you a little bit, or if it pushes you beyond your comfort zone, those aren't reasons to not do something. So I would say that's first. Second, um, go get educated, never stop getting educated. Um, but when you come back to your shop, especially if you have employees, you can't be a guy or a gal who does the Johnny come lately thing. Build your program, build your process and adapt it over time. Yes. But be what, you know, be what you are, know your process, know who you are. And when the time is right to change, you'll know it. Uh, and you'll know what the right change is. Um, you know, I always use this parable of, uh, from infantry training school, which is, you know, you're on the road, you've got your whole squad out there. There's German tanks coming out of the wood line toward you. You can either run forward to the edge of the wood line. You can spread out in the field. You can go back to the farmhouse that's 100 yards behind you, or you can stand there and freeze. Stand there and freeze is one of the four decisions. Most people think there's three. Go forward, go backwards, fight where you are. No, the fourth one is just do nothing. Um, and sometimes the right answer is do nothing, but most of the time it isn't. So find that, you know, find that balance of, moving forward, but not, um, not at the expense of, of changing everything for change's sake. Change because change makes sense, not because it, it's change. Um, you know, it's constant anyway. The world around you is already always changing. So yeah. a little stability in your business doesn't hurt you. Um, but then again, getting outside your comfort zone isn't a bad thing either. Awesome. So, well, thank you, Keith. And uh, got I mean, Keith is one of those people that when – you decide to go to an event or a trade show of some sort within the detail industry, you'll find them like a, like he has mentioned, PNS, IDA, uh, Detail Plus. You know, there's booths at most of these events, whether it be a car wash show or a detail show, where he's there all the time and accounted for. And definitely pick his brain. So, I want to thank you, Keith, for being on with us as you know number 31 in our you know Reflection Artist podcast. Awesome. And hopefully we can definitely do this again. And as our digits grow in regards to how many of these we do, uh, see what those changes are and, and kind of revisit that and go over everything. But aside from that, I'm going to get back to my day and I will look forward to seeing you this weekend at the Southern Detailers Conference. And you'll be there on behalf of PNS, correct? Yes, PNS has a booth. Uh, it's a 10 by 20, and Prentice and Claire will be there with me. Uh, and Shane Pennington, one of our distributors from Illinois, is coming over. Uh, he's going to man the booth with us. We're going to have a great time. Uh, we have classes for PNS at the event, so check those out. Uh, and I'm on the main stage, I think, first thing up on Saturday uh, yeah. as an interview with Daryl. So, um, hey, come check us out. Uh, I will make sure I've got coffee in hand and I'm ready to roll. Uh, it'll be in a PNS mug, and it may just be Swirl Killer Coffee if you're not careful. So uh, <laughs> until Friday, which is two days from now, we'll see you guys uh, uh, on the next podcast or at the next show. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for watching. And, uh, again, signing off. Thank you, Keith. Everybody Thanks for having me. Home. Appreciate right. it, Justin. Thanks, Keith. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in this week to Reflection Artist Live. We hope you had fun and learned something new. If you missed an episode or are looking for more, check us out on our social media or podcast platforms. And join us next week when we have another amazing guest. Don't miss it. We'll be talking business, life, and detailing. Also, don't forget to check out buffandshine.com for a variety of buffing pads and accessories for your detailing arsenal.